Stevie B's Media. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. 
Good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. Or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio website and listen to the show live there. You will find this show on page 3201. I just checked the website before I came on the air, and it was on page 3. And normally when I go on the air, they'll move it up to page two. Uh, one. That's normally how they do it. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions or comments for any of my guests, uh, special guests on this show or my co-hosts on this show, you can send your emails to butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com or you can call Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating the congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, every fourth Tuesday of the month, we have the Kelly Fletcher Show. Kelly serves with the uh, Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. So enjoy your listening experience. Take it away, Kelly. It's all yours. This is Terry Jackson, and you're listening to a talk with my sisters on What a Word from the Lord radio show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome uh, to everyone in our listening audience. I thank you so much for being here tonight. My name is Kelly, and you are listening to The Kelly Fletcher Show. Um, According to, uh, and I'm just going to jump right into it because I think uh, our topic for tonight is is an interesting topic, and um, we're planning to share, or my expert is planning to share, some significant information uh, with you. So according to the CDC, in 2019, African Americans accounted for 13% of the U.S. population, but they accounted for 40% of HIV cases. My special guest for tonight will share some information that will give us insight on HIV and AIDS in the black community, the prevention of AIDS, and resources. Should you have any questions for my guest after tonight's show, please feel free to uh, send an email to butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, and either he or I will be sure to forward your question to my guest. So without anything further, uh, my special guest for tonight is Angelia Echoes Moore. And so Angie, before we get started, can you please introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Kelly, and thank you, Steve, for this opportunity. Um, I'm Angie Moore. I'm located here in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, and I've been um, secondarily associated with HIV, AIDS, and specifically in the black community since the spring of 1990. Um, In spring of 1990, I lost a cousin. Uh, My family at that time did what most families of color did and hide and hid what the, the reason for his death was, was complications from AIDS. Um, I was not allowed to come home from college to go to the funeral. Um, and just we continued to hide and, and live in that um, that dark space of what was going on. Fast forward to 2008, um, I began to do some grant work for um, IU Health and their HIV clinic life care and realized that um, although they are some amazing providers, learning how to serve uh, those of color was a little different and, and leaned in and um, found a whole other family of children and supports in that space and so have been an advocate for those living with HIV and AIDS and those that are in the LGBTQA um, community since that space, since then, so since 2008, um, and pushed the envelope and have these conversations in spaces that are not normal, um, faith-based organizations, organizations that are led by individuals of color and in spaces of education. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, uh, just telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, and that will be one question that I'll tell later, you know, about why uh, talking about AIDS is such a difficult topic in the black community. But again, I'll, I'll kind of push that 
uh, down a little bit. And if you could maybe explain to us what is the difference between HIV and AIDS, and then talk to us about how is it transmitted from one person to another. Absolutely. So HIV is a human, human immunodeficiency virus. It is a virus that um, gets into your body and it does exactly what it does. It attacks the human's immune system. And it's not treated. Um, if your viral load, um, the viral load of the virus is so high. So if you get a cold, you know, there's markers for a virus for that. For COVID, there were markers for viruses for those viruses. So if a virus is in your body, we see markers that show us how much of that virus is in there. If it gets so high, um, you're diagnosed with AIDS. And so AIDS is the acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, and it is just the fact that there's more the level of the virus in your body is such that you can't fight off the virus, fight off other infections. So um, one misnomer is that people die from AIDS. You don't die from AIDS. You die from complications or illnesses because your body cannot fight off um, uh, the whatever else there is out there. So um, pneumonia, COVID, flu, all those things that we get and we are treated for, someone with HIV mm-hmm. would be at a higher risk. Someone with AIDS would be at a higher risk of um, having complications or death from those. And um, HIV is acquired through um, bodily fluids, so blood, semen, vaginal fluids, breast milk. Um, those are like the, the the key factors of how it is transmitted. So it is a sexually transmitted disease, but it can also be transmitted through breast milk. So um, in most states in the country, moms are tested for HIV so that we can, one, know how to deliver baby if necessary and get mom treated, um, and two, to know if we need to um, make sure mom is not breastfeeding if she has the virus and it is detectable in her bloodstream. Okay. Okay. Why is it, um, well, both HIV and AIDS, why is it so prevalent in the black community uh, versus other communities? So around 2008, when I came into the field professionally, um, the CDC switched from focusing on gay white men to Latina Mm -hmm. and African-American females. And what we learned was we were getting a lot of women of color who were being diagnosed during their pregnancy, and that was why we had the documentation. Um, But what, what also has happened is that in the time, in the last 30, 35 years that we've been dealing with HIV and AIDS, um, we've learned that those who had insurance, those who were used to going mm-hmm. to the doctor, and those who were complying with medication regimen were doing well. That happened to be gay white men. Um, and so what we also know is that we, our criminal justice system, who has more men of color in it, was another place where positivity was happening and so where the transmission was happening. And so um, men would come out. They would come home, they would resume their lives, mm-hmm. and we don't test at exit, we test at entry to see if we need to treat them in the criminal justice system. We don't test, not, it's not, it wasn't common to test when they came, test for the HIV virus when they came out. Mm-hmm. So women would have their men come home, and they would engage in sexual intercourse, resume family situations and like roles, and mom would get pregnant, and we would find out during mom's pregnancy that, that she's HIV, and thus, you know, we need to find out who well, she's been with. And so um, the diagnosis were getting higher for women because that's where we were getting the testing done. Um, but what we know is that men are diagnosed with HIV at a rate that is about four times that of women. And our young adults, 20 to 34, continue to be at risk for HIV with rates almost double that of other ages. And it's really around information gathering and risk. Um, and, and, and the key part of that is having those critical conversations and those uncomfortable conversations in spaces that are unusual. Um, so I've been doing HIV care now for um, 15 years. And so I have those conversations in every space. Um, I sit as a school board commissioner, and so we talk about HIV and how are we making sure that we have available um, information and tools for students. You know, not, not that we're promoting um, sexual intercourse or utilization, but our um, needle right. sharing information is uh, needle sharing drug usage is back up in the, in the state, and so we need to be reminding kiddos that if if they're using tattoos or getting sharing needles of any kind, that these are also uh, avenues where blood will be transmitted or shared, and so that's a transmission risk. So anytime there's a risk, 
if we don't have enough education and we don't go get tested, then we can't get treatment. Um, and so mm-hmm. AIDS used to be considered a death sentence. If you got mm-hmm. AIDS, then you were going to die. That is no longer the case. Um, you can be diagnosed with AIDS. Once you get that diagnosis, it does not go away. It's like renal failure. Um, it is one of the many diseases that um, the diagnosis itself is considered lifelong, um, no matter what happens to your viral load. So you can have been diagnosed with AIDS, get your viral load mm-hmm. undetectable, but that diagnosis is still there. Um, and so getting people to understand what is risk, because we immediately think of intercourse, but we forget that mm-hmm. kids are, you know, doing home tattoos or sharing, um, you know, using drugs or sharing. Like, there's so many other avenues of entry. Um, we, we don't talk about oral sex. We don't talk about, you know, is that a possibility? If there's a, a cut in your mouth or if there's a tooth missing, like all those, any space that offers um, access to the blood system is an avenue. Yeah. Is it higher risk? No, but it is an avenue. And so we need to be, you know, just relevant. And we don't have conversations normally in the black community around sex, period, or sexual health. And so if we're not talking about general sexual health, we're definitely not talking about HIV and AIDS. Um, right. Can those individuals still live in our household without problems? Absolutely. Um, I remember when I first started working in HIV, I was terrified to go to work. I had four kids who were often sick with colds and flus. I am more of a risk to my clients than my clients would ever be to me because my immune system is strong. But anything that I have on me or I'm carrying could affect someone that I'm serving. Um, And I think, you know, when we think about family um, systems, what happened to me is that my family um, did not want me to know that my cousin died from complications from AIDS. And so that barrier was there. So we didn't have a conversation. We didn't talk about, um, you know, Am I, am I keeping my, like, any, any, we didn't have any conversations. We just said, he right. um, someone in the community or in the church finally told me that they thought it was this, and I got confirmation from my family years later. So we have to think about why are we not having those healthy conversations? Um, we talk about mm-hmm. wearing a mask. We talk about washing our hands. Why are we not talking about ways to prevent and or eliminate risk around our sexual health as well? Right. Why and why is it so difficult uh, to to talk about this in in the black community? You know, I think it's why is it such taboo. a hard subject? I think it's you know somewhat taboo. You know, we've always thought of it to be um, something we should not do. Um, it didn't stop anyone yeah. from doing it. We just kept saying we shouldn't do it, and so we didn't have the conversation. But what it did was it left us unprepared to deal with the realities um, mm-hmm. and our kids not understanding what risk means. Um, and so um, when I got into this field and my kids were becoming teenagers, I was very open and honest about making sure they had the tools. I can't teach this to my clients and the patients that we serve and then have my children not be protected and prepared. And so it was a right. conversation, um, you know, that I would have in church or if a student or if a child asked me in church for protection, you know, it was available. Like what, moving some of those barriers around things that are taboo for us, mental health is still taboo. Um, so we, we put these blockages up, assuming that we, if we don't talk about it, it won't happen. Um, and our numbers are showing that that is not true. Right, right. Because it's still present, whether whether we talk about it or not. Absolutely. Um, African-Americans it, and it, it, Hispanic uh, individuals as a whole continue to experience mm-hmm. an increased rates of HIV infection. Hmm. And that's because, of, well, for different reasons. One, because they're not talking about it and they're uh, not educating uh, themselves know. around it. Um, and I know that um, it can the the HIV it can be transmitted um, through needles and and things like that. But um, when we look at STDs. And in comparison to STDs, uh, where does HIV and AIDS rank in in the black community? So I'm going to put those together. I'm going to separate those two because normally we find HIV diagnosis because we're testing for something else. 
So yeah. either one, uh, a patient has become so sick that they can't figure out what it is. Um, had a young girl um, in her seven, 17, 18 years old, kept coming in for flu-like symptoms, um, mm-hmm. finally tested, and it was HIV. So her body could not mm-hmm. fight off the flu, influenza. Um, so normally when, you, when there's a diagnosis, there's a, there's a cold um, diagnosis at the same time. So STDs, STIs are still high. Um, we're here in Marion County. Um, Marion County is still too high on the list um, for syphilis and has been in the top 10 percentile of syphilis for probably 20 years now. And so wow. the lack of utilization of protection is still high. And so our HIV connection to STIs is normally there's another STI at the same time of diagnosis. Um, and then those come in incredibly ill. Um, that have already got their viral load um, um, so high that they're in AIDS, um, it's normally not an STI. It is something else that has gotten them in because they are incredibly ill. Yeah. Wow. So um, I know that, well, you mentioned the the, the HIV and, and sometimes it, it's, something else that maybe they've gone in for, and that's when it's noted that they have HIV. So, um, again, going back to the CDC, I know that it states that there are some STDs associated with HIV. Um, Do you know what those STDs are and what is the probability, um, which you've you've already kind of touched on this, but a probability of people with those STDs getting HIV? So for me, I try not to separate the two because I want people to understand that risk is risk. So if okay. you are feeling any discomfort, I want you to go in and ask for a full STI panel. Um, and that panel will include a, draw, a blood draw for HIV. If they're not doing a blood draw, then they're not doing an HIV test. Um, we're okay. comfortable and we're used to asking doctors to check us for, you know, there's an odor, there's a discharge. Um, but if there's an odor or discharge, if there is, or you believe that there is an STI, go ahead and take the leap and ask for the ST, um, the HIV test. Um, because as soon as we, the sooner we can get you treatment, the sooner we can get you undetectable. Um, I share that, you know, um, AIDS used to be a guaranteed death sentence. It is not. It is a chronic yeah. illness. So we treat it today like we treat hypertension or um, diabetes. If you stay on your medications, um, you, you'll, you'll live a long, prosperous life. Um, when we talk right. about fear of doctors and hospital systems and compliance, people of color are not compliant with medications. Yeah. Um, if I'm insulin dependent, I will take my insulin after I eat my cake. If I have high blood yeah. pressure, I'll take my medicine after I get a headache. HIV medications mm-hmm. must be adhered to strictly. They need to be taken mm-hmm. daily, um, preferably at the same time, um, to keep that virus suppressed. Um, if we don't take it the same way, same time every day, and that virus comes out of suppression and it's detectable again, it might affect the medications that we can give. And so instead of taking one pill, you might be on four pills because that one pill might have been two medications. Um, and so that yeah. regimen looks different for each individual. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the compliance and the adherence to it is so critical um, because you can live a high-quality life um, if we just go back to taking those medications on a consistent basis. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, can you talk about... Um prevention, uh, yes. prevention of HIV, and, and are, uh, if there are any challenges in the communi- that the community faces with prevention? So around 2014-2015, we started utilizing PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis. So prophylaxis is what we consider this medication treatment for HIV, and we started using those around uh, 2000. 13, there were some tests, but it is now readily available. Um, it was initially given to gay men, um, mm-hmm. but the, tr- the prevention is effective for everyone. It is actually the same medications that you would get if you were uh, HIV positive, 
but because you're giving them in low dosages and you're tracked by um, a medical provider, it prevents it. And so there is no cure for HIV, but there is a prevention method. And so PrEP does work. Um, and I think when you ask again, like, what is the barrier for people of color? It's trusting the system. Why would I go in and get medication um, when I don't have HIV? Or why would I go into a yeah. place that serves those with HIV? There's a stigma around that if I'm not HIV positive. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with, like, I mean, it's the same answer around birth control. Um, why do we have so many, you know, um, children who end up in um, homes where they're not desired? Well, we don't, we mm-hmm. don't use protection. So the same protections are available. There's a medication. There's um, condoms and, and um, things for for just STI prevention. But there's right. also like you know birth control. Birth control alone does not prevent uh, HIV. It stops pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so the same vigilance we put on pregnancy, we need to put on prep. There is now a tool that is available um, that allows us to to stop the spread of HIV. Okay. You said there is now a tool? Yes. So the the PrEP medications will prevent HIV. And so there is now a a way to stop the spread. Okay. Okay. And so it can Um, be marriages. So if one person is positive and one is negative, then we would suggest mm -hmm. that in any couples that the other person takes PrEP to make sure they stay negative. Um. It can be used in those who have risk behavior. So if you know you're utilizing uh, drugs inconveniently or having multiple sex partners or having sex unprotected, PrEP is, is, is for anyone who feels like they're at risk or high at risk for um, positivity. And so it, you know, it prevents the spread of the virus. Okay, okay. Um, I know you mentioned earlier um, about... Indianapolis uh, being high in, uh, in for syphilis, and it has mm-hmm. been for I think you mentioned about twenty years. Um, in comparison to, I guess other state cities, um, lo- locally, even countrywide, as far as the uh, AIDS in the black community, um, how how. How does the black community compare um, nationally so we're, we're or within the U.S.? On, yeah, we're probably on trend in our in our size. So um, the federal government funds support for those living with HIV and AIDS um, based on the number of positivities. And so what, we're at a level that is called a um, transitional grant area. We're big enough to have... Uh, supported at a at like it's, it's, I think there's one level above us, and so we're not at like New York levels, but compared to cities our size, we're around the same, um, and our geographics are around the same. We have like uh, 49% of our positivity here in Erie County are Black, um, and then 11% are Latino, 31% are White. But when you think about our state, that gets screwed because Marion County is such a um, predominantly black county. So Marion County itself and the, and the counties that we that are touching the county um, is probably more like a city that you would see our size. So Memphis or um, uh, Cleveland or someplace like that. Like we're we're on target with our numbers around the same mm-hmm. as any city. Um, but you can't look at us at the, at the state level because that number, that percentage decreases because the state is not as black as Marion County. Um, but for people okay. of color, it is still high. Uh, 49% of all positivities in Marion County are us. And so that is still alarming okay. when you consider that um, around the state, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're definitely not 49% of the population. Um, right, right. But, but for our prevalence in Marion County, that is a high number, but it's not a normal, it's not unusual for that number to be that high in urban areas. Okay, okay. Um, let's let's talk about, and I, I know you kind of alluded to uh, a couple of things earlier, but what are some common myths uh, about uh, HIV? 
um, I think in AIDS. The, the easiest one is it won't happen to me. Yeah. Number two yeah. is for gay people. Mm-hmm. And number three is for white people. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that so, all those things are not true. Mm-hmm. When you look at females, 84% of our females, almost 85% of our females get HIR uh, or report their transmission through heterosexual intercourse. Okay. So I can be a heterosexual female. I can believe that I am with one partner. But if my partner lives in that place where he is a male that has sex with men and he is mm-hmm. at, at 59% of men, that affects the number of positivities for women. So that myth is out the window. It is not for any um, gender-loving group. It is about the right. risk that we take. Um, right. Another myth is I can catch it by being in the house with you or utilizing your fork or spoon or laying in the room with you or sitting on the couch with you. Those things are not true. Um, it, is, it is direct bodily fluids, and they have to be at a rate that is high enough for it to transmit. So you, you should have seen, or there's a new um, advertisement around U equals U. If I'm undetectable, mm-hmm. I can't transmit it. And so um, our goal is to treat HIV and to get that individual right. um, uh, undetectable. So it's almost like cancer going into remission. Um, we we okay. want the we want the virus to be in remission in your body, and if it's in remission, you can't transfer it. Um, is the is the philosophy behind that? U equals U, and so um, one of the biggest myths is that you know, um, if I have it, my partner will, have, will actually end up with it. Um, like I said, we can use prep, we can get that person undetectable, and together with those two things, um, no, your partner is at no more risk. Um, than anyone else because that undetectability, we cannot find the virus. It's such a small amount of the virus, of the virus in the body that we can't find it. And our goal is to get, you know, to, to continue to treat it as a chronic disease um, and not yeah. a life sentence. So if we can get people to stay on their meds, take their meds on a regular basis, and use the PrEP medications that are available, we can actually end this epidemic. Um, it is still considered an epidemic in the United States. Um, by 2025, there are multiple uh, cities around uh, or grant areas around the country that are working um, on a grant that's, that's actually called in the, Ending the HIV Epidemic. Mary County and the counties we serve is one. Um, so we have state support and county support on ending an HIV epidemic. Um, and it's concentrated on doing just like we're doing tonight, having these conversations in spaces that yeah. are not usually had. Um, you know, I grew up in the church, and so this is not a space that normally would have this conversation, but it's so critical right. that we have it because we are still serving to, um, individuals that worship in every congregation and every corner. Right. And so it's, it is right. not something that we can, as a church, continue to ignore um, because yeah. we're still, we still have individuals that we love and, and, and um, are part of our fellowship that are positive. And so... Um, Education, 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 and then um, prevention and treatment. And one more time, uh, because I, I missed the name, um, you had mentioned the the name of an organization. So here uh, in what? Marion County, there are multiple organizations. Those that okay. actually treat um, individuals with HIV and AIDS, like are the medical providers, um, are a major hospital system. Um, which are uh, Eskenazi, IU Health, Community Health, um, and then the Damien Center here locally treats um, those living with HIV and AIDS. And then we have agencies that support that work, that don't do the medical care, but do support that. And there are several that really focus on people of color. One is um, Brothers United, which is more widely known in the area, Uh, but it's called Being Wellness Now. Um, and then there is uh, Women in Motion, who does prevention, education, and testing. And then we have uh, Trans Solutions, which works with those that are living either transgender lifestyle or non-binary lifestyle. Okay. Okay. And what I'll do, um, I'll make sure that I make note of these and just share them uh, mm-hmm. after the show. And I can get you the link. Um, yeah, I'll get you the link to make sure you have them. Okay, okay, I appreciate that. 
Um, I I did read where uh, they have like World uh, World AIDS Day, which is uh, I believe coming up in uh, December first, and then there uh, is like National HIV AIDS Awareness Day throughout the year. So, uh, what do those involve, and how can the community come together and get involved in those nationally and locally to try to help reduce the, the, this rate of HIV and AIDS? Thank you for bringing this to light. So, World AIDS Day is December first every year. It is a day that we recognize those who have gone, who have passed on from the disease or complications from the disease. And there are multiple spaces of uh, remembrance. Um, the quilt that normally comes out, and I can't remember where it is this year, um, but there are multiple places of remembrance. Um, and there's testing mm-hmm. across across every city, state in the in the United States um, around that day. Again, it is um, it is a it's World AIDS Day, so it is international. Um, I can't remember if President Biden did it last year, but we've had presidents put the red ribbon up on World AIDS Day to recognize um, those that are living with HIV and AIDS and those that have passed from complications of AIDS. Um, Just a symbol of understanding that our country is still um, fighting this fight with us. And so Mm -hmm. uh, that is World AIDS Day every December 1st. Um, and then throughout the year, there's different days that recognize different uh, different aspects. So um, February, we, uh, we focus on um, African Americans and testing and awareness. Um, June 27th is uh, HIV testing day, uh, which is done, again, across the nation. It is, it is just a day that we test um, anywhere. But mm-hmm. on, we've gotten so progressive that any day, anyone can get tested. Um, testing yeah. takes one minute um, to get a preliminary test if it is, if we see that there's a reaction, um, which means that there are antibodies in your body, then we'll send you to get a blood test and we'll do a confirmatory test. Um, and so if you can think of Black History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, Native American Month, any time that you see an awareness month, there is concentrated efforts around that same time um, for those to be, for those individuals to be tested. Um, but I don't want anyone to get caught up on the dates. I think that mm-hmm. the biggest thing, um, I do, you know, we do, we do recognize World AIDS Day, but, but um, the biggest thing is that there is now the availability um, and the freedom to get tested in multiple places. There, we, right. um, Women in Motion does um, girl parties or testing parties, and so if you wanted to have five or six of your friends come over, they'll come over, do education, talk about prevention, and then offer testing to those who want to be tested. Um, so we are moving in spaces that are just unusual. So a girls' night in or out could actually be a testing party to make sure that those that are at highest risk, because, again, I told you women of color are, are at the top right. of that list of, of, of uh, prevalence, that we could come into your space so you don't have that stigma of figuring out where to go. Um, but at any given time, testing is available. Um, hospitals will test, even, and when you go to get your annual physical, asking the mm-hmm. doctors to test. Um, I just went in May, and, and um, every year my doctors now wear, you know, in, uh, common, and it's common for me to ask, but every year I ask for yeah. that HIV test. Um, not because mm-hmm. I don't know what my status was last year, but I think it's just it gives him good practice of making sure right. he is um, offering that because um, when I had my last child, um, the doctor was hesitant to give me a test, um, which was ironic for me because you know, I, I it was it was at the it, it is now standard practice to test mom in first trimester and third trimester during a pregnancy. At right. that time, it was not common, um, and we we had to ask for the test. And so um, my doctor was just hesitant to give it to me um, based on my marital status, my insurance status, and other stigmas are uh, stereotypes that she thought based on my demographics. Um, and I think that's important that we push providers sometimes to, to make sure that we are asking the hard questions um, because mm-hmm. it is our bodies and, and we need to know what we're dealing with so that we can continue to um, suppress the viral load of our community. Right, right. And I, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, because I know at one point that um, when you went for your annual physical, that 
they might that the doctors would test for everything else except for AIDS and herpes, and uh, you would have to ask your doctor. So it's like all those times, um, you know, I I would ask, and even even though I'm I'm not active, you know, it's I still want to be tested for everything, exactly. and I didn't realize. Oh, they're not testing for AIDS and herpes. Okay, can you can you do that? You know, because I I know things uh, they can lie dormant and then just yeah. just pop up. And so I'm so glad you brought that. So when we talk about like a late diagnosis, um, mm-hmm. a late HIV diagnosis is defined as having AIDS within three months of your initial diagnosis. Um, that means mm-hmm. that that person's been sick for a while. And um, either we didn't catch it or we did, or they didn't come in for testing. And so, um, again, once you get to AIDS, can it be treated? Absolutely. Is it more difficult mm-hmm. to treat? Yes. And so um, when we think about the stigma that was around cancer, I don't know if you remember, people would, like, whisper that someone had cancer, they had the big C or those type of things. Yeah. We're doing that yeah. same thing with HIV. And so, you mm-hmm. know, don't, you don't ask for a, a mammogram. No, you do ask for a mammogram. You demand your mammogram annually as your doctor yeah. sees fit. So the same um, persistence we have around um, cancer can be around our, our sexual health. And so, like you said, even if I'm not active, asking the question mm-hmm. of, the, of the provider to make sure that I know, um, that it, you know right. what my, what's inside my body and how it right. can be treated if there is something there. Um, if you live in the United States um, and you have access and, and you have access to care, we have great providers across the country. Um, we have great resources across, across the country. I do stigma reduction training for providers around how do we treat people that show up to make sure that we can keep them in care. Um, and so there's just so much wealth of services that are available um, mm-hmm. to those who who are positive, and but also to those who serve those who are positive. Um, it is a benefit to be in the U.S. and, and have access to those because many countries do not. Um, but knowing that, our numbers are still way too high because we have mm-hmm. great services, um, but we're still missing a mark on education and testing. Um, and testing before we know we're sick and not when we're starting to have symptoms and showing up um, ill and then having to get care to get us stable um, when we can prevent it using our, our PrEP or um, make sure that we're testing on a regular basis so we can kind of diagnose when it, I mean, kind of figure out when the diagnosis transitioned. Okay. Angie, I really thank you for um, uh, for the information that you've shared. And bef- before, we, uh, before we end, is there any advice uh, or suggestions, recommendations that you would make for our listeners who might have questions about HIV uh, or AIDS or um, if they have any concerns, any any advice that you have uh, that might be helpful that you can share? I think the biggest biggest, uh, takeaway is please don't be afraid to ask. Um, mm-hmm. There are resources, like I said, there are resources across this country that are easily available. Um, and so, if it's reaching out to you, Kelly or Steve, and I, you know, I make the connection in another state, um, that is easily doable. Um, most most uh, providers are funded through HRSA, which is our federal our federal government. And so, um, the resources that are available are easily found. It's just making sure that we are consistently doing the same thing which is getting tested and preventing. So, um, you know, once we, once we know our status, don't wait five to ten years to get it tested again. Put it as part of your annual um, exam. If you're not getting annual mm-hmm. exams, whenever you get in front of a physician, ask. Um, right. Treatment is there. Care is there. Resources are there. Um, but, you know, as the Bible tells us, we have not because we ask not. And so don't right. let our ignorance or our fear of knowledge be the reason that uh, we're the next positive. Amen. Is there a, uh, do you have uh, like contact information uh, or an email address if someone wants to get in touch with you that maybe we can share with the listening audience? Yes. 
so they can I, I use my same email address and cell number for all entities. Um, so if they would like to reach out to me directly, they can email me at a n j e e m o o r e four four at gmail dot com, um, or give me a call or text at three one seven five one three one eight eight three. Okay. And I'll make sure I repeat that information. Um, so, again, like I said, Angie, thank you so much um, for for being on tonight. This is, uh, I, I know I say this with uh, a lot of my shows, but it's an important topic, but this really is an important topic. Um, is is dealing with people's health um, and, and their life. Um, so I appreciate you being on tonight. Uh, if any anyone in my list in the listening audience uh, wants to connect with Angie, if they have any questions, please feel free to contact her at a n j e e m o o r e four four at gmail dot com, or you can send her a text or call at three one seven five one three one eight eight three. As she stated, there are multiple resources uh, available uh, across the country that that um, you can look into, and I'll make sure that I post those uh, resources online. Uh, also, it just keep in mind that it is really important to educate ourselves, to, to have discussions, uh, and like Andy said, not to be afraid. Um, to have these conversations in our homes, with our families, with our friends. Um, it, it could be a matter of uh, good health, bad health, life or death. So, again, thank you, Angie, and I want to thank Brother Stevie uh, for this platform and allowing us to have this conversation tonight. And without anything further, I will turn this over back to Brother Stevie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you guys taking the space to have this conversation. Yeah, thank you. Hey, this is Genesis Archer, and you're listening to A Talk With My Sister on What A Word From The Lord Radio Show. You're listening to What A Word From The Lord Radio Show.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show.